for me. <laughs> Thank you. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I am excited to be speaking this morning. Um, Pastor recently told me that I'd be up here speaking on fasting. And I am. But uh, COVID messed all of our timelines up. So if you've already gone on your three-day fast, will you raise your hand for me? You've already done it. So about 50% have already gone on their three-day fast. You know, two weeks ago, unforeseen circumstances came. And I was supposed to speak that Wednesday night right as COVID hit our church, and then we were going to do the three-day fast Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we were going to end with the Saturday night prayer meeting. And in our minds, it was all so perfectly planned. But God always has better plans for us, even when he messes up what we think are our perfect plans. Uh, so he had a, a better plan, and I believe it had something to do with the fact that from the very beginning of this message, it felt to me like it was more about sacrifice than it was just about the act of fasting. It was a more encompassing thought. And I really wanted the young people to hear it because I feel that fasting and sacrifice is something that our generation, their generation, every generation has to have and has to know. And so even though the message is technically about fasting, it's really about a lot more because fasting is an act and it's something that we do because we know we should do it because it's a quarterly routine around here. You know, but nobody likes it. Please raise your hand if you love fasting. Yeah. There was, uh, there was a man one time that we know that said, I just love a good fast. We're like, okay. <laughs> I don't. I do not like to fast. I do not enjoy it. You know, every time we pastor announces a fast inside, I cringe. I don't know. You probably cringe too. I cringe. Something we sometimes will say to other people like, oh, I don't want to go fasting. I'm not looking forward to fasting. Perhaps we'll find excuses for why we aren't going to join in that fast. You know, and we'll get ourselves out of it. But one thing is true. The moment that we hear the word fast, our flesh, pinch yourself, this flesh of ours, it goes into overdrive. It's because fasting is tough. And fasting is rough, and fasting is no fun. And I am not here today to convince you otherwise. As I prepared this message, I actually was smack dab in the middle of my three-day fast. And guess what? I was not feeling very good. <laughs> my head was aching a bit. My energy levels were very low. And I really just, I didn't feel, didn't feel like doing it. So until you deny your body food, and I know there's a lot of people that will say, well, I fast this or I fast that. But until you deny your body food, you don't really fully comprehend how much it impacts your energy levels, your state of being, your desire to work, to get things done, to even, even carry on conversations. When I'm fasting, I go quiet. I don't have my same drive. I don't have my same passion in life. I'm very still. My mind is still. My heart is still. My flesh is still. <laughs> Actually, it's screaming. Ah! The whole time. <laughs> but it's still. <laughs> and my spirit can hear. But it is not a fun experience for our flesh. And so our tendency is to avoid it. When in reality, the fact that it's no fun and the fact that it causes us discomfort, the fact that it is a humongous sacrifice, well, you see, that's actually the point. Because from Old Testament to New Testament, from beginning to ending, God has always been and will always be drawn to sacrifice. My hope and prayer today is that this message will change the way that we look at fasting. And I pray that it will change the way that you look and I look at sacrifice as well. 
We're going to start with the scripture, Leviticus chapter 1. From the very beginning of the Old Testament, God had a plan for sacrifice. At this time, it was animal sacrifice. The Lord called to Moses from the tabernacle and said to him, Give the following instruction to the people of Israel. When you present an animal as an offering to the Lord, you may take it from the herd of cattle of your flock of sheep's sheep and goats. If the animal you present as a burnt offering is from the herd, it must be male with no defects. He wanted the best. Bring it to the entrance of the tabernacle so you may be accepted by the Lord. Lay your hand on the animal's head and the Lord will accept its death in your place to purify you, making you right with him. Then slaughter the young bull in the Lord's presence and Aaron's sons, the priests, will present the animal's blood. Once again, we have sacrifice, we have blood. New Testament, we have sacrifice, we have blood. The sons of Aaron and the priests will build a wood fire in the altar. They will arrange the pieces of the offering, including the head and the fat, on the wood burning on the altar. But the internal organs and the legs must first be washed with water. We also have a washing here. Then the priests will burn the entire sacrifice on the altar as a burnt offering. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The next few chapters go on to list grain offerings as a special gift. I don't think you wanted me to read you all like six chapters about that. But the special gift, this grain offering was a special gift unto the Lord. Chapter 3, sacrifice of animals is peace offerings. Once again, it says, it is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Sacrifice was a creation principle. From the very beginning, God desired sacrifice. From the beginning with Cain and Abel in the Garden of Eden, God requested of them a sacrifice. As God's people began to walk with and follow him, he gave them very specific commandments for how they were to worship, and their worship culminated in sacrifice. The New Testament even says, bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. These sacrifices would come up before God as a special gift presented unto the Lord. He, it says it was a pleasing aroma. He would literally smell their sacrifice. So today I'm going to speak on the smell of sacrifice. Let's all bow our heads. Let's join with me in prayer as we pray over this. Lord, I ask right now, God, that your hand would be upon every word that I speak. Lord, that you would allow your word to go forth as you intend it to go. Jesus, accomplish what you would through your word. Accomplish your plan through your word. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. I pray that it would not just go into our ears and out, but God, that it would become a part of us. That it would impact us. That it would go into our heart. That it would change us, Lord. That it would make us different. That we would be changed by your word. That we'd be not only hearers, but doers of your word today, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Sister Bobby Wendell, a former missionary, had a famous statement that she used. She would simply say, the fire of God falls on the sacrifice. The fire of God. When we bring our sacrifice to God, when we lay it at his feet, not only does he see our sacrifice as a special gift to him, not only does he smell a beautiful smell, that smell of sacrifice, but then he pours his fire upon the sacrifice. I believe so much of where Refuge Church is right now is due to the sacrifice that we all went through just a few years ago in, the, in our campaign. So much of the, the power of God that we feel and the fire of God that's falling has to do with the sacrifice that we have been in and that we have been through. When we entered our last campaign, so many of us, so many of you sacrificed deeply, and God saw that. God saw every dollar that you gave. 
He saw every dollar that you could have consumed on your own, that you could have bought something for yourself, but instead you said, no, I'm giving to this campaign because I know that God has a plan for liberty and a future here. He saw every penny that you gave as a sacrifice. When you didn't buy that car that you wanted, he saw that. When you didn't get to go out to eat with everyone, he saw that. When you put off making repairs to your home or purchasing a nicer vehicle or getting that outfit that you really wanted, he saw it, and it was a smell of sacrifice to him. It came up before him, and his fire fell upon that sacrifice. When Brother Dean was here for our night service, I noticed him staring at our young people. He, he was in the middle of worship service, and I know we all like to look at them. <laughs> Even Tim today on the drums, I noticed he's playing the drums and he's looking at them. They're all so excited and it's so much fun to see that excitement and to see that joy. But I noticed that he was, he was staring at him during the worship service. And later on he spoke to us about them and he complimented how in all his years of youth ministry, which that's what he's done for like the last 20 years, he said he has never seen a youth group that worshipped with so much unity and abandonment. He's never seen a youth group that was so all in that every one of them was all about the worship service. And I was, as I was praying, I was, I was thinking on these words, and I just felt so impressed by God. The parents, you may not even see the sacrifice that you made in your own life, but you will see it in the generations that follow you. And that these young people that are here that are on fire for God, are not a result of themselves, but they are a result of sacrifice of parents that have, they have given, that they have taken the time that they have put in, and that the generation that is coming up after, really everything that we all are is due to the generations that came before us. So young people, I want you to learn how to sacrifice because guess what? When we build that church, the new leaders of that church in the next decade, they're probably not going to be some of us. But you all are going to rise up as a generation, and you have to know how to sacrifice to lead that next generation to where they need to be. But sacrifice is not a fun experience. It can be ugly, and it can be painful, and it does not feel good to our flesh. And yes, that is the point. When something moves us, when we feel something, if you ever wonder if something gets God's attention, does it get yours? Do you notice? You know, so often we live in such a society of luxury and it's all about me and it's about what I want and it's about my time and it's about, you know, making me feel comfortable. That's the society we live in. But yet God's currency is very different than our currency. And his thoughts are so different than ours. And God is drawn to sacrifice. So if you want to know if something touches God or if God notices something, does it touch you? Does it cause you a little bit of pain? When you give, it's not in proportion to how much you give. The Bible talked about the widow and the mite, and she gave all that she had, and God was more pleased with what she gave, even though it was a smaller amount than he was with all the rich people that were just giving money. They gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her living all, all that she had. God's fire falls on our sacrifice. And when we feel something, if it moves us, we can be certain that it is moving God. And we're in a season of sacrifice once again as a church. Welcome. Aren't you excited? <laughs> but we felt from the very first moment that we opened up the service, you can feel the tangible blessing of God. 
I wish you all could have been there this weekend, anyone that was there. It was almost indescribable to explain. The favor of God rests so firmly upon us that even just walking into the building, you felt that favor. Not just favor in the sense of, oh yeah, we took all the trophies. Literally favor with the people around us. That everyone loves liberty in the district. The favor as we opened up in worship, and from the very first note, there was such a tangible presence of God there. That's the favor of God. And I covet that favor of God. So as we're entering into this season of starting a building, we've lost something. We've sacrificed something. We've lost our church as we know it. We've entered a season of stepping out in faith as Abraham did. Brother Foster alluded to this last week when we were online. And believing God, we're stepping out. We're really homeless right now. Think about it. We're kind of like Abraham. We're one, not, not wandering, but <laughs> we're floating around with no real home, waiting for God to do what he needs to do. It's a season of faith. It's a season of trust. It's a season of sacrifice. And we will walk in this sacrifice and the discomfort of this season for the next few years in order to build what God has prepared before us. Because this is his church and this is his vision. But it will not be, un, it's not going to be super comfortable for us. So many things took place in the spirit last week. We joined together in prayer on Wednesday night, which if you missed it, I'm sorry. We had a wonderful time together in prayer. We joined together in fasting. And we sold this facility. The past no longer belongs to us. But the future is open before us. And with the cell of this church, something in the spirit of our city changed. The spirit world knows that we have been loosed from this facility and all that is implied in the past and that we are headed to a great future. Thank you, Lord. And I will tell you, I just sense it so much in my spirit. Both the angelic world and the demonic spirit world are aware of what is taking place. There was an awakening in a sense and a trembling to the future of Refuge Church, to God's plan that is in fruition, that is literally moving. We can feel it. You can feel it in our worship services. You can feel it in the word that goes forth. You can just feel that trembling that's there as things are changing. So today as I talk about fasting, I'm, I'm really talking about sacrifice. I'm not speaking of just denying the flesh for no reason. I'm speaking of offering up something of sacrifice unto God. Yes, your flesh will be denied, but your spirit will grow stronger. Yes, fasting breaks strongholds, and it looses change that nothing else can move. Fasting gets the attention of God because God smells it. Think about that for a minute. God smells your sacrifice as a pleasing aroma. As a church, we set aside specific times to fast together. We do this in order to combine the power of fasting with the power of prayer and the power of unity. And this is why we emphasize that we all fast together. And we all pray in one mind and one accord, as the book of Acts says. Psalms 133 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together together says in harmony up there, the Old Testament, or the King James Version uses the word uni er, in unity. But in harmony, in unity. 
It is like a precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. I want the Lord to command his blessing on my life. I want the Lord to command his blessing on Refuge Church. I want the Lord to smell the sweet fragrance of sacrifice upon his people. You know, I just I was having this conversation with my daughter recently in regard to quizzing. Because quizzing is also, it's such a leadership, or it's, it's such a yeah, leadership training thing for our young people. Because they have to learn all the rough lessons of life at once. And so she was learning the rough lesson of uh, submission to her coaches. <laughs> so we were having this conversation because her coaches made a decision she didn't like. And I'm like, honey, you got to get over it. <laughs> that was my basic conversation. But in a sense of trying to teach her the, the big lesson of submission doesn't really take place until you disagree with somebody. You don't really learn how to submit until you're like, that's not a good decision. You disagree. But you submit, and when you submit, God causes his blessing to be upon you. And so I was telling her this. She was struggling with a, a situation, and, and I was like, honey, you have to learn to put yourself under your leadership's decision. And when you do, that's when God can allow his blessing to be upon you. And it was such a neat thing to watch at that tournament as it came to fruition because in all her years of quizzing, she's never been number one anything. And she's never been the number one person that was able to take her team to a number one place. And she's never been the number one high scorer. And I watched as God literally allowed all of those things to take place in one weekend for her. And I thought, he taught her something right there about submission because his blessing was on her in a way it had never been before because it was a spiritual matter of submission. So three days. Why do we fast for three days? Three days was a pattern we see in the Bible. The reference of three days actually occurs 75 times in the Bible, whereas it only refers to five days three different times. It's always wise to notice when God places emphasis on something, something repetitive, and certainly 75 times is something worth noticing. In scripture, the number three is one of the so-called perfect numbers. The other perfect numbers are seven, 10, and 12, numbers of completion. In scripture, the number three signifies completeness or perfection and points to what is solid, real, and substantial. As a number which indicates completeness, the number three always identifies some important event. Of course, referencing all 75, would make this really, really long service <laughs> and too long to read. So for brevity, I'll only mention several. For instance, the earth was separated from the water on the third day. Moses requested Pharaoh that he let Moses take his people on a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer, guess what, sacrifice to their God. Jesus was missing for three days when he was 12 years old. Jesus prophesied that he would rise from the dead on the third day. Saul was blinded for three days. It was after his three days of fasting that he was filled with the Spirit of God. Matthew chapter 12, verse 40 says, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. 
1 Corinthians 15 and 4, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Esther 4.15, then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go to see the king. If I must die, I must die. Three days. She didn't die. She fasted and she prayed and her people fasted and prayed and God did a miracle after three days. Three days indicates completeness and is the catalyst for important events throughout scripture. This is one of the reasons that we emphasize a three-day fast. Three days. Three days of terror. No. <laughs> three days. Three days that are really hard days. Let's be real. Three very hard, hard days of denying our flesh. Three days of completeness in which God notices and does something. That's why three days throughout scripture is very important. Now, around here, we believe that spiritual disciplines such as prayer and fasting should be things that we regularly partake of. So prayer should be an everyday event. This is one of my things. You know I love it. I talk about it all the time. Every time I get up here, I talk about the same type of things. <laughs> but prayer, prayer every day before you begin your day, that is one of the biggest things to living an overcoming Christian life. Spending that time every day in prayer. And then fasting one day a week. One day a week in fasting, it adds up. It's a constant sacrifice to God. Adds up to a lot of days. 56 days a year that you fast unto God. He notices that sacrifice. But three-day fasts are something that we do quarterly. They're more of a special set-aside unifying fast that we do. And God does different things in these three-day fasts than he does in the times when we fast one day altogether. It's a big sacrifice. It's a unifying sacrifice. And it always gets the attention of God. And it always gets the attention of the enemy. Every single time. Because there's certain things that cannot break without fasting. And I do believe that when we combine together in prayer and fasting, those things start shaking. And they start noticing. We feel it. They feel it. God is working. God is doing things. Uh, Acts chapter 9 verse 7 says, then men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days, and he did not eat or drink. God then speaks to a believer named Ananias in a vision and tells him to go to Saul. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, after three days, he ate some food and he regained his strength. Three days. Three days was a big number. Three days of fasting produces results. Three days of fasting is a sweet-smelling sacrifice unto God. And there are some spiritual battles you simply won't win and miracles you won't see without fasting. Matthew chapter 17, verse 19 says, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove from hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. People love those scriptures. We're like, 
just need a little bit of faith. I've got a little bit of faith, and God's going to do anything that I want him to do. And then they skip the next verse that goes on to say, how be it, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. We have to have our faith combined with prayer and fasting. Oftentimes, we find ways to excuse ourselves from sacrifice. Because sacrifice is hard. So we'll say, well, I just can't. I can't. Literally, I can't fast for three days. And what we're doing is actually the exact opposite of fasting. We are empowering our flesh and making excuses for it in order to avoid something that costs us something. In 2 Samuel, David was king. And terrible plagues were upon the people of Israel. David knew that he needed a sacrifice to stop the judgment of God because David had sinned. And that's why the judgment of God was upon the people. So he knew he needed to do something. He goes to a field to purchase and build an offer and sacrifice. And 2 Samuel in the New Living Translation says, I will give it to you all. He went to go purchase it. And the man says, I'm going to give it to you, your majesty. And may the Lord, your God, accept your sacrifice. I'm sure this man was actually anxious to get it. Like, please do something. Like, there's a terrible plague upon us. Do something. But the king replied and said, no, I insist on buying it. For I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. And David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. Whatever you want to do in your life, you will find the time to do it. And whatever you want to avoid, you will find an excuse to do so. Perhaps you're on medications and you cannot fast with just water. I encourage you, don't give up. Oh, I'm just going to give up social media for three days. I'm fasting social media. Seriously? That, <laughs> Jesus, help me. When someone says they're fasting social media, I just want to be like, <laughs> I mean, that's in my heart. That's <laughs> what I'm really thinking. And I'll just smile and say, good, I'm glad. Now do a little more, please. Fasting social media is not, that's not going to cost you much. Actually, that's going to be such a blessing in your life. Hallelujah. I make my living selling stuff on social media, so I know social media. But social media is not really a sacrifice like food is. Those aren't comparable. So don't just give up social media. That's costing you very little. And you know what? God sees your heart of what it is that you're giving up. When it hurts you, when it actually costs you something, that's when it's really a sacrifice. Like David said, I will not, he said, I refuse to present something to the Lord my God that has cost me nothing. May we not offer to God something that costs us nothing. May we not allow our flesh to convince us that it doesn't really matter. It's not a big deal. Like the church is just all about fasting. No, we're about getting the attention of our God. When you walk into a service and you feel a tangible presence of God, that's because somebody before you has sacrificed because God's fire falls upon that. People are so often drawn to the power and the spirit of God within our services because it's so different. It's so different from what you experience in other churches. And that's because we have people that sacrifice to God. They give him something 
And in return, he gives us his spirit in amazing ways. Ways that not everybody gets and not everybody has access into his presence. In that same way, you feel the difference. And that's caused by sacrifice. So may we not allow our flesh to convince us that it doesn't matter. And I believe that God's spirit inside of us will show you the things that you can do to sacrifice unto him. If you're in a season of life where you have to do a physical job and you just don't think it's fast, possible to fast with just water, then fast with juice or fast with protein drinks. It's still going to cost you something. Trust me. <laughs> it will cost you something. But do something that your flesh notices because then you know God notices. That's what sacrifice really is. I heard a story recently that touched my heart, and it was in a pastor's wife's group that I'm a part of, and it was a pastor's wife who has all these medical conditions, and she couldn't fast for these reasons. And she was so desperate because her heart wanted to fast, and she's trying to figure out, what can I do, what can I do? And so all these other ladies were giving her ideas for what she could do, and one of the people in it said, they had a teenage girl in their church who happened to be a type 1 diabetic, like Titus. And she didn't feel like it was safe for her to fast with just food, no food. But she desperately wanted to offer God something. And so this young girl, for an entire week, refused to sleep in her bed and slept on the floor. I'll cry thinking about it. Slept on the floor beside her bed every night as a sacrifice to God. When you want to do something, You'll find a way to do it. And I'm sure she gained the attention of God. You see, we know, we long, the longer we live, the more our society is going to look different from us. They're going to act different from us. They're, going to, they're increasingly going into darkness. We are the light of this world, and we must possess that power to bring them into the light. And there is a power of God that can only be obtained through sacrifice. You cannot sing yourself into it. You cannot preach yourself into it. You cannot worship yourself into it. You must sacrifice yourself into it. Perhaps the reason we no longer have the same results as the book of Acts, church, is that we don't have the same spirit of sacrifice. Barry Kirchville said, by every historical standard, we live in a culture of luxury. As a society, we have become so accustomed to ease that extreme sacrifice or suffering is considered a problem that must be remedied. As Christians, we are affected by this. If few around us are paying a price for their standards of faith, why should we? But Luke's description of discipleship reflects the message of suffering and sacrifice. From the moment the resurrection of Jesus was understood and believed, men and women dramatically changed their outlook on life. They picked up their cross and brought a sword to the world. Thus, a key thread in Luke's account is the growth of the kingdom through suffering and sacrifice. The spread of the gospel carried its power through men and women who loved not their lives unto death. Suffering in order to extend the kingdom message came early and strong. First, Peter and John were imprisoned and threatened. Then all the apostles were imprisoned, beaten, and threatened. Then Stephen grew bold in his preaching, which triggered not only his own death, but a widespread persecution that extended beyond the apostles to any who called on the name of the Lord. This brings up a misconception that we often have about the reception of the gospel in the first century. We often focus on the thousands that received the Holy Ghost and were baptized. The thousands that came into the church each day. But we consider this 
without considering that with every success came a degree of persecution and sacrifice. Brittany, if you want to come. This sacrifice rose up to God as a sweet smell. It was a sacrifice that caused them to love not their own lives unto death. As we enter into our second campaign, many of us have pledged, and we're in the middle of sacrifice. And it's a time of sacrifice that you probably wrote things that cost you something on that paper. But just the pledge itself, it didn't really cost us anything. We're just like, yeah, I'll give that, sure. But when we actually start fleshing that out and living, living that where our budgets are reflecting a lack because we're giving it, that's a sacrifice that's every day coming before God. Sacrifice, their sacrifice was the kind of sacrifice that caused them not to love their own lives or their own luxury or their own convenience, their own comfort. It was a sacrifice that changed the world Sacrifice that is the very reason we now know and love our Savior. What they did, without what they did, it was impossible for us to be able to stand here today. And without what we do in this season, it will be impossible for our city to know God and our children to know God in the way that they can. Where would we be without the sacrifice of generations before us? Where would we be without Brother and Sister Morgans who came here and sacrificed and planted a church in this city? We're sitting in a facility that they sacrificed to build. Now future generations are going to sit in a facility that we sacrificed to build. Where would I be and where would you be without somebody's sacrifice? And I ask you today, without our sacrifice in this generation, where will the church be in the next generation? Let's all stand. Today I'm going to ask you to come to the front. And I want us to find a place to pray. And not just to say a couple of prayers, but to really bury our faces in our pews or the ground. And to pray earnestly. To pray that God would send us a spirit of sacrifice. That we would begin to see sacrifice through different eyes. You can come. I pray that we would push past our societal norms of selfishness and pleasure. I pray that our hearts would long for our God to the extent that sacrifice is something that we see as God sees. I pray that our eyes would be opened to behold the truth from His vantage point. God, open our spirits to understand the truth. God, open our hearts to understand the power of sacrifice, God, to understand the power of your blessing upon it, to yearn for more than our own comfort, God, to yearn for more than just what we need and what we want and our desires, but Lord, to long for and to desire after you, Jesus, and your presence and your spirit more than anything else in this world, I pray. God, send us a spirit of sacrifice. Lord, send us a spirit that wants to know you in a deeper way, that wants to be closer to you, I pray. 